The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as having one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, my family went to a birthday party for one of Burton's coworker friends. Their home was so lovely, with so many cute touches everywhere you looked. There was a scented candle lit on the coffee table, cute ceramic coasters on every surface, a little bar cart in the living room with all sorts of drink options, and a TV without a single fingerprint. (laughs) And I thought, so this is what a house can look like without small children. I spent most of the party saying no and please don't touch and taking fragile things out of Hannah's hands. And in the end, only one ceramic coaster was harmed. (laughs) Luckily, Lauren and Alex were gracious hosts. Living with small children means that I'm not in the season of life where we can keep open flames and fragile objects at low heights. And that's okay. I can like those things, but I love my kids so much more. Living in a family means making some compromises thinking about everyone who lives in the house and the different needs that each person has, considering allergies and sleep needs and what's safe and what's clean. I think making these small sacrifices, whether for our kids or our spouse, roommate, our pets, putting the needs of the ones we love above our own wants is an act of love. And we do this joyfully, or at least instinctively, wanting to care for the ones that we love so much. A congregation, in some ways, it's like being part of a much bigger family. We live out our faith in community, and we love one another. There's a lot of us, and we're all different people with different stages of life, different faith backgrounds and family histories. And in coming together, sometimes we have to consider the needs of someone else that are different than our own. Sometimes it means sacrificing a little bit of what we would personally want out of love for those who need or want something different. In our second reading this morning, we get a glimpse into an early Christian community. Sometimes we idealize these first followers of Jesus, like we read in Acts, everyone gave what they had and not a single person among them had any need. 
That's a really high bar. But it turns out that these, con- these first congregations were filled with regular people who were still learning how to be in relationship with one another. And it wasn't always a smooth experience. In this letter to the community in Corinth, Paul is addressing an issue around eating. Maybe this feels minor, but early Christians gathered in homes and around meals all the time. It was central to their worship life and their community. So this issue of eating meat was causing trouble every time they gathered together. To give some context, the problem was that the meat available to them at the marketplace in Corinth was most likely meat that had been offered as a sacrifice to a cyclopeus, whose temple was located right next to the marketplace. As Paul explains, if we believe there are no other gods, this food that's been sacrificed to an idol, and it's nothing special. So logically, this meat is just meat, no different than any other food. But for some in the community, it feels wrong. Maybe for those who were Gentiles and new to faith, it wasn't so long ago that they were worshiping this idol earnestly as God. Maybe for some in the community who want to adhere to the law of Moses, this feels like a violation of the commandment to not put other gods before God. Whatever it is exactly, they don't want to eat this meat. And it's confusing to see members of their faith community eating it. Does eating this meat mean you're condoning the sacrifice and giving authority to this idol? So what are the options here? What might a congregation do today if this were going on? Well, you could just go ahead and divide the group so there's no issue at all, right? Congregation A eats meat. Congregation B doesn't. Both sides win, but you lose many of your friends. Or those who feel really, really strongly about eating meat can do lots of education around this issue. Theological debates, scriptural study, a few sermons. You can wrestle with this issue together until everyone is in complete agreement. And I'm sure that doing this wouldn't take any time or energy away from proclaiming the gospel or serving those in need. Or there's Paul's radical suggestion. No one eats meat. Problem solved. How does that feel? On the one hand, it feels like the obvious solution. But on the other, is he suggesting it's okay to have this huge disagreement and then just let it go? Let the people who are theologically wrong essentially win this one? Yes, that is exactly what is being suggested. Maybe there's something more important than being right. Maybe this is the most loving way forward for this faith community to continue to be a community. Because now, instead of meat, here's what they'll gain. A meal that everyone can enjoy. 
a place where newcomers feel welcomed, the company of friends who are new to the faith, a community where people can grow in their knowledge and understanding of God at their own pace. And isn't that even better than eating meat? This is not the ideal, problem-free congregation that we want to picture. It's compromise. It's the wiser making space for the new to faith, the stronger making space for the weaker. It's not always getting what you want. So why would we willingly sign up for any of that? (laughs) Because we experience God's love in community. God who loved us before we could do anything to earn it, who created us in love, who made a place for us, accepting us exactly as we are, loving us with all of our flaws. That's the love we practice. And it does take practice. Love that's unearned, love that welcomes, love that makes a home for others, love that accepts a person in all their quirkiness. And it's the love that we experience, too, when we join in community to worship God together. Today is an exciting Sunday morning. In addition to our annual meeting, yes, right, that's the excitement, When we look ahead to our next year of ministry and make decisions as a community, in just a little while, we will receive some new members. Our new members were drawn to Emmanuel for different reasons. Some have a Lutheran background and love this tradition that we're a part of. Some want a place for their kids to learn about God's love and for their family to feel the love and support of a congregation. Some want to return to worship, and they have friends and family in this community of faith. Today, these friends are new members. We do this so that we can welcome them and celebrate with them and eat cake. Any reason to eat cake? But soon they will just be members. And I don't mean it like it's a bad thing, just a member. I mean that I hope that that newness wears off pretty quickly and soon there won't be a distinction. That anyone who has been drawn to this place, whether that's decades ago or weeks ago, has a place here, an equal place here, a place in the body of Christ, a place at God's table, a place in this wonderful faith community of Emmanuel. As one of your pastors, I hope that everyone can find something to love about Emmanuel. I hope everyone finds a few really close friends here, finds a ministry that they are passionate about, and hears their absolute favorite hymn sometimes. But I also hope, and you're going to have to hear me out on this, I hope that some of the time, like maybe 5% of the time, just once in a while, you experience something that is not quite for you at Emmanuel. 
I hope that everyone occasionally eats a gluten-free cookie at coffee hour. I hope that once in a while the book club pick of the month doesn't sound like something you'd ever want to read. I hope everyone hears at least one song in worship that's new to them and that you're not even sure if you like it. And here's a few reasons why. Because when we experience that thing that's not quite for us, it might be just the thing that makes someone else feel seen and loved. When we read that book we didn't want to or sing that new song, we might find that we're pleasantly surprised by the book, that we love that new song. Or we might continue in our own personal preference But just seeing someone else's enjoyment feels just as good as enjoying something ourselves. These once-in-a-while times just seem like the times when we grow, when we expand our understanding of God or the definition of what we like, when our rougher edges are smoothed out as we compromise, when we get to put into practice All this love stuff we talk about. We're really fortunate at Emmanuel. We're a pretty happy, healthy congregation with very little conflict, truly. When I wrote this sermon, I wasn't even secretly thinking of an issue or a disagreement that I wanted to sneak in and address. But we live in a really divided country with tensions especially high in election years. And things are going to get ugly. And I see the church as a light and a source of hope that if we can come together, if we can be a place where strangers become loved ones, where we compromise for the sake of relationship and see Jesus in one another, where we share in our ministry and bring our time and energy and talents together for a common purpose to serve and love our neighbor, if we can do all of that here, maybe we can do that out there. Maybe the church, living as an example, can show that when it comes to conflict and division, we don't have to become obsessed with Who is right? We just need to ask ourselves, what's the most loving way forward? That's the love God teaches us. Let's keep practicing it. Amen.